Hi folks, I'm Alan Watton. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on September the 7th, 2012. For newcomers, as always, I suggest you make good use of CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. There's over a thousand audios up there for a free download where I bring the system together as best I can uh, for you to piece all the pieces together of the, the totality of this matrix system that you're living in and the organizations that really are consolidated at the top into one big organization, very well structured, very well organized, that run the world. And, and it's been here for an awful long time. I go through the history of the big foundations that were set up by the big bankers. This is the international lenders, not just little bankers on your street corner, the international money lenders, and how they, they, they basically got a consortium together to take over the world's resources a long time ago, and the people as well, using science and how they bring in a new type of society that would serve them better. And and down through the ages to come. And, of course, it also brought in uh, the futurist think tanks to always predict the future and trends and how things would go. And the depopulation uh, comes into that, too, for post-industrial societies. These are the guys who gave you the United Nations. They gave you uh, the World Bank, the Bank for International Settlements. They own it. And the, the world's central banks as well. So help yourself to the audios and you'll find out who's all behind it. They're still running the world today and pretty well all the media across the world and your presidents and prime ministers. So remember too, you are the audience that bring me to you. You can help me keep going by buying the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com because I don't bring on advertisers as guests. I don't plug products. I certainly could make good money at that, but I don't do it. And it's up to you to keep me going. That keeps me kind of clean in a sense. And um, you can uh, purchase from the U.S. to Canada by using personal checks or international uh, postal money orders in the post office. Send cash or you can use PayPal. Across the world, Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal. And straight donations are really, really sincerely welcome. Remember to go into the website and you'll see how to do it and what's for offer. And... What I do is I say, I go through the history of the system you're living in. It's done through gradualism, generation by generation, uh, the acceptance of this new totalitarian system, and it truly is totalitarian. These are the guys who planned, as I say, to take over the world's resources over a 100 years ago, and how to do it, and creating the British Empire system, and then handing over the controls to the U.S., and the financing too, of course, to supply the troops and the tax money and the armaments to help it get done. We've been through this for the last hundred years and is still ongoing today. And uh, it's, it was put out in detail by even the historians of the Council on Foreign Relations, their own private historians, because, you see, they have a separate history from the rubbish they give you. And they are the guys who actually do write up your histories for the schools. Winston Churchill talked about that as well. So we're living through a fiction, and most of you out there pretty well know or have guessed 
even growing up, you start guessing things. Things don't make sense to you. And you're generally right. You just don't have the facts. You put it together. But it's a well-organized system, and we are truly at the bottom level of reality uh, in the general media, uh, reading the media, I should say, the news that they turn out for us. Everything has a purpose. Everything's got a spin. And it's all to bring you to the acceptance of the next big decision that the big boys at the top will make for you. That's really how it was done. Very, very simple stuff. Simple psychology. But it's backed up, too, by the culture industry, which is a vital, vital part of it all. If you want to know how the culture industry works, you have to look at, again at the Royal Institute for International Affairs, CFR, and find out that they also funded the Soviet system, and their top bankers also funded the revolution in Russia. And Trotsky talked about the culture industry, essentially run by the state. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix, talking about the big system we're born into and how your parents generally accepted the the media at face value and believed everything they were told. And why not? If you're brought up in innocence, basically, you're taught to be innocent and to believe the people above you. Why should you even suspect there's a big uh, conspiracy at the top there of people who have other plans for you and the children to come down through the ages? And and, yet it truly is like that. And But it works very well. Most folk have been taught in most countries that the media is like an extension of your brain. It's there to do some thinking for you. And Brzezinski talked about that in his own book, Between Two Ages. He said eventually the public will come to believe that uh, the media is, is there to do their reasoning for them, and, and unfortunately it's happened to an awful lot of people. And the media always has special anchor people that they hang on to for oh, 70 years, if possible, till they're falling off their chairs, because you're, you're born and you're raised with them, and you see them as parental-type figures of authority, and that's why they keep them on for with such big money, too, all of these years. You think they're specialists, but really, these characters often don't even write what they're talking about. They're just read dummy boards that are written for them by other experts. However, the, the, the image works very well. They'd never lie to you. That's the idea behind it. But it works so, so well. And yet, uh, these are all sciences that were worked out, as I say, before we even got television, because they used it on radio as well. When the BBC radio started up, its first purpose was propaganda. And they actually admit that in their histories. That was the function of the BBC. It's never changed. The other part of the BBC is to create cultural uh, change directed cultural change, not haphazard developing by itself, but definitely directed cultural change. That's to do with belief systems, behavioral uh, attitudes, uh, and and tolerance to to things maybe they shouldn't be tolerant to at all. But this is all part of the culture industry, and it's backed up by their dramas and um, by movies and so on. That's how it's done. It's very, very simple, but it works awfully well. You'll find most horrific things that we've now come to accept culturally, often by force or threat of force, if we don't, uh, we used to be recoil at. And that can only happen when people are of a, 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 the same kind of culture, cultural background and history. When it's destroyed and you bring in multiculturalism, and it's the purpose of multiculturalism to destroy all cultures, even including the ones coming in, by the way, 
because <laughs> uh, the government's going to give you a new one. Uh, and once you have no real culture left, they can push at a fantastic pace all the changes that used to keep you together as a solid people that would stand up to things that were right or wrong or whatever it is, or for the right and against the wrong. It's all been destroyed today. It's been, it's been done. I've mentioned Yuri Bezmenov quite a few times. His real name, I think, was Thomas Schulman, and he worked for the KGB. And he explained that after he defected up on YouTube and other places as well, and writings that he did, how the system works. And he knew it because uh, their job over in the Soviet system was to really, he said it was, there's nothing to do with James Bond uh, and doing all of that nonsense. He says it was just going in and funding or starting up the, the organizations that would fragment the cultures of the target countries. And it's all been done from within very, very well. A lot of it too, as I've mentioned before, is to do with depopulation. It's a big, big, big topic from the days of Malthus. Even before Malthus, you've often found uh, that the lords that used to run the feudal system, I think they still do actually, in places like Britain, uh, they, they talked about the people, if there's too many of them, they'd often kill a whole bunch of them off once in a while. And um, in between plagues, of course, it really thunned numbers down too. Because they're always afraid. When you're living off the backs of the people and, and you have to ride amongst the people, there's always that fear, of course, that the people might turn against you uh, if you've just pushed too far and taken too much grain off them or whatever, whatever it is you've done to them. And they might just turn against you. So there's always been that fear of those at the top you know, who know darn well that they're living a great lifestyle compared to the rest of the peasants. Uh, and it's no different today, in fact. There's always that fear. And so you have a, a different class at the top. They're called world managers. And the world managers uh, were, were discussed by people like um, Lord Bertrand Russell, who was a big part of creating the present culture that we, that we are all living through today. He said eventually this ruling class, this ruling class uh, will be regarded as, as a separate species from the rest. Because you see, for generations, they and their selected offspring, they're selected for them, by the way, because they're really into eugenics, are taught a completely different reality from the one that they give to you through your general education at school. They're they're given the in stuff on what their own mothers and fathers and associates have been up to and, and taking over the world, for instance, the wars that they have caused purposely and always blaming the other guy for causing it. Stuff like that. So they're taught a reality that you cannot get a hold of. No matter how much evidence is out there, you'll never get an admission from them that had anything to do with it. That's how the world is really, really run. And see, part of it too was, was definitely depopulation for, oh, for hundreds and hundreds of years. We know for a fact, for instance, that when the plague came into places in Europe, the lords would retreat into their castles and they'd bring all their cousins and relatives in. And um, they'd have their army inside too. And they'd even burn down the peasants' villages and the processes, thinking that might keep the plague away. What happened afterwards wasn't their problem. As long as there's enough peasants left somewhere, they would keep growing the food for them and doing all the labor. And that's the real, the real harshness of this world. The world in its history is a harsh, harsh history. It truly is. We, we, we're flooded with uh, uh, rubbish I would say for the CBC in Canada, garbage uh, history of uh, happy days sort of thing and sunny days uh, and sort of middle class people that really were in the minority uh, in the Middle Ages 
just love you, having happy, happy times. Utter fiction, you see, compared to reality uh, that really has been gone down through the ages. There's always been a system, since money was invented especially, because uh, money uh, enabled them, uh, big boys not to just get a few brothers and cousins to be hard men or henchmen. Now you could hire armies, uh, literally armies, put together armies and go off con- uh, conquering other countries. So money was the key to what we call civilization. No kidding you. And if you read it, you be amazed looking at the old history books. And, and we went through all these uh, these incredible emperors in Rome, for instance, who were either syphilitic or simply mad through, through birth, uh, and uh, sadists and so on. Uh, and uh, and yet the double said, oh, but they did some good here because they brought civilization into the countries they were conquering. I mean, this is the, the standard answer you get out of history. And what they're talking about is the system, the infection, I call it, throughout history. They bring in the money system into countries that never used money often. And once you introduce that money system, well, it takes one generation to, to uh, for the next generation to accept as a normal thing to have, and then they can tax it back from you, you see. And you can't be free anymore. And that's been the greatest boon to those who run money. And the, gun, the guys who run money today are descended from people that have been at this for thousands of years. The big boys at the top. There's not a con that they don't know and haven't used before. And it will always work again too. And it's a strange thing too that most folk think it's, it's, it's just there like gravity is a natural thing. There's nothing natural about it. At all. If it was natural, a thing of value would always have the same value forever. You see? But you bring the middleman in, and then he decides what it's worth today. And he'll put it up or down, whatever he wants to do, and you've got nothing to do. You're outside the picture here. Same if you save your cash. The time you retire, it's worth nothing because the inflation is built into the system, this debt system. The bankers have got every country in the planet under their thumb. The principal debt that's owed is never even touched to pay off. Never. It simply accumulates more. Because the bankers are well aware of the con that they technically give the governments nothing, uh, but they demand back uh, at least the payment on the interest, which is phenomenal. And that's why they want every country to have big, massive debts. And then they, they rule the countries from 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 that, those, that standpoint. They actually rule them. And that's why Rothschild said that. He says, I, he says give me charge of the, the money supply of a country. He says, I don't care who you make king or, or, or the puppet. It doesn't matter because he would obviously be the boss himself, not the puppet. Nothing's changed. Nothing will change, by the way, till this is sorted or done away with. Nothing, nothing will change. We'll always have the same system with a few at the top and there are crowds of... Uh, Similar people around them that act as a sort of shield for them. And uh, in, uh, Rothschild is a red shield. He's definitely got a red shield, believe you me. But um, they'll always be on top of everybody else. And that's the way it is. That's the way it will always be until until someone comes up with a, and stops the system that is, in, is presently, presently in use. The whole of the Europe is being amalgamated through what? Because of all the money that's owed. Most of the money they've owed in the last two or three years has come from borrowing from these same central bankers for the last two or three years to bail out all the other countries, this merry-go-round. 
and not one receipt has been shown to any public who have to pay off all these debts as to where the money came from, where it went to, and how it was spent. Nothing is shown to you. But you're supposed to give up your sovereignty and completely immerse everything with the European Union and be dictated to by these new super-Soviets that run the Soviet system of the European Union. It's amazing the contracts are pulled off today, right in front of all our faces. And people accept it because they can't figure, well, what else could we do if we didn't get that paycheck every week? Or, you understand? It's, it's that simple. that They can't think outside of it. They can't think there could be any honest system whatsoever. But there's many things that should be changed, including property taxes. Why should you lose your home if you lose your job and you can't pay your property tax? That's disgusting. Who brought that up? The CFR were the ones who introduced that bill. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix. And as I've mentioned before, the world is run by these consortiums, these big foundations. Margaret Thatcher and others have called it the parallel government. And she said that we can get more done as ex-prime ministers. We all know each other and all the other ex-prime ministers and presidents across the world. And we can get more things done behind the scenes. We're not, uh, we're not held back by governmental laws and so on for politicians. And to get the big thing going. And it's world trade, it's free trade and all the rest of it. The old plan that was put out by Rothschilds and Cecil Rhodes that then merged with the Milner Group, the Alfred Milner Group, that, that created the, Council, the Royal Institute for International Affairs and Council for Foreign Relations. Now, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, uh, it's interesting because it was made by, by these top bankers like Milner himself. And th- these guys were all from Germany. And their sons too took over from them. Like Curtis, etc. And uh, that's where all things came out of, the communism and the capitalist ones for the West, all came out of the same place and the same people, in fact. So anyway, the world's pretty well going along into this, this big free trade zone, supposedly. It's not free trade for everyone, it's free trade for their own authorized corporations, their international corporations. And um, the idea, as I say, going back 100 years, was to take over all, all resources, all mineral rights, uh, everything that you need, food, water, everything, and have the public basically uh, as a dumb cattle that they say that we are at the top, uh, just uh, moving along and getting enough grass to graze on if we're lucky. And I'm not kidding about that. That's how they talk about the general public. And part of it was to do with wars, takeovers through wars. Others would be revolutions like they did in the Soviet system and other countries uh, from within. And um, we've been through, as I say, over a century, from the 20th century, is one of the bloodiest, but we'll start the 21st off with just the same sort of thing, because it's not finished yet. And this is a century of change where they hope to finish their whole world plan. That's what they call it, the century of change. And in amongst that comes the complete deculturalization of what's left of the family unit, because that was the one thing that stood up against uh, these evil creatures, of course because the family unit could be quite expanded too, uh, with uh, extended relatives, etc., and then your own people around you. If you have all of the same culture, you can stand up and say, go to hell. But when you really don't have all the same culture, uh, it's, you can't get together and, and do anything about it, which is the, the tactic of war. Now, your own countries all have their own leagues, of course, 
and people were warned, even in America, when they formed their uh, governments after the Revolutionary War, to beware and watch out for forming leagues or, or uh, through treaties, etc. And because that's what Europe had been at for a long time with the bankers who ran Europe at that time. That was formed at, at treaties, and the bankers truly were behind it. And often they would invade other countries that couldn't pay off their debts either. They'd been run into the ground with crippling debts. So they used all the countries' armies to go in and, and take over those countries and loot them to get the cash back. Now, here's an example of leagues. Now, Canada is part of this league, NATO, you see. Remember, two of the same boys, Rothschild, etc. They set up the Royal Institute of International Affairs. Uh, they actually made the, created the United Nations and all the organizations that, that work with the United Nations as part of this strategy. And they would sign treaties through the United Nations. Now, NATO is supposed to be the, the military wing of the United Nations. And the U.S., uh, Canada, uh, uh, a whole bunch of countries are in on NATO. In other words, it's a very powerful war league, you see, done through treaty. And so Canada, anyway, uh, has been told to go along with it all to do with Iran. And it says here, Canada's closed its embassy in Iran and expelled Iranian diplomats in Canada. The Foreign Affairs Minister, John Baird, announced Friday. Baird said he was worried about the safety of diplomats in Tehran following recent attacks on the British embassy in the country. And under the circumstances, Canada can no longer maintain a diplomatic presence in Iran, Baird said Friday. Our diplomats serve Canada as civilians and their safety is our number one priority. He said the Iranians' regime support of Syrian President Bashar Assad. Now, other countries surely are, should have the right to make their own leagues as well. Especially when they're all on the same list that was put out in the 90s by the Project for the New American Century group. All the, the countries on that list in the Middle East would be taken out by NATO. And it's still ongoing. And the, Iran, the Iranians, and, they went, and so did the Syrians. Because they were on it. And it was the same list that Israel put out at the same time, by the way. So anyway, here it goes, and it says, um, this is an Iran's uh, refusal to comply with the United Nations resolutions on its nuclear program. Now, they've let all inspectors in over and over again. Same thing, of course, happened with uh, uh, Iraq. Remember, with the farce there, were on for a long time with weapons of mass destruction. Inspectors were in all the time, couldn't find anything, said there was nothing there. Didn't matter, because it's an agenda, you see. And it says, and it's regular threats to Israel to make it a, a significant threat to global peace. So the idea is it's a threat to global peace. It's interesting because Israel has got in its newspapers, they were thinking about using thermonuclear devices over Iran to take out, but that's not a threat to global peace. You see, it depends on what side you're on. The majority side of the big bankers or, or, or you're independent. This is amongst the world's worst violators of human rights and its shelters and material supports terrorist groups, said Baird in a statement. I've got articles here about <laughs> that the four and a half thousand prisoners uh, Palestinians has got in the jails in, in Israel, but that doesn't matter, it's different. You see. Moreover, the Iranian regime has shown blatant disregard for the Vienna Con- Convention and its guarantee of protection for diplomatic personnel. He said diplomatic relations between Canada and Iran have been suspended and all Canadian diplomatic staff have fled the country. So the Iranian diplomats in Ottawa have been instructed to leave Canada within five days as they ramp up the thing to war, you see. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. 
because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Water, back cutting through the matrix, talking about the system we live in. It's a truly amazing system and so well controlled, well controlled. They even give you your pre thoughts. Pre thoughts are the way you give um, predictive programming into the public to get them ready for some big change. They don't even understand the bottom level at all. But the pre thought gets in there, you see. And so when they come out with the news, it seems kind of familiar and you're already programmed to accept it and you go along with whatever program they're pushing. But it's, it's, it's a lot of psychology and neuroscience. That's what the whole thing of neuroscience is to do. It's eventually bringing a world where everyone is going to be monitored, monitored even what you're thinking eventually. And even if the big boys say they detect some, some threats or, or, or to, to, the, to the psychic ability of, of somebody, their, their own personal mentality, they'll get in with the regulators first and recondition you, basically. And then they'll have their world peace. Remember, world peace to the boys at the top means that the the, ab, the abolition or annihilation of all opposition. I hope you understand that. That's what it means. Now, in Australia, of course, they, they're, it's interesting to watch them because we've had it in Canada and Britain and the States and everywhere else. The same scenarios to do with uh, uh, big government coming in and trying to control all media. And it says here that uh, proposals for greater government regulation of media is dangerous, Kim Williams says. And it says that uh, News Limited Chief Executive Kim Williams has hit out at the draconian proposals for a new media regulator, a government regulator, that's a power to threaten journalists with jail. He said the new technology and markets were driving media diversity, and a government-funded regulator would be a threat to the press freedom. In a speech to the Pacific Area Newspapers Publishing Association and Future Forum, Mr. Williams said this was a turbulent time for print media publishers who were overseeing major change. He says quality print businesses would survive by ensuring customers were front and center and by adapting to different modes of delivery. And what's happened there, a retired judge, I think it's Finkelstein his name is, was given the job of drafting up this massive compendium of rules and regulations for media to follow or else they'll have their licenses withdrawn, obviously. And so this is the, this is the freedom, this is the new freedom that everyone's going through, as we, we're all aware, it's quite obvious. And also uh, in Australia too, the same scenarios we've all had here, uh, Roxon tries to lay fears over data storage because they have to get all their data, internet data kept as well. Attorney General Nicola Roxon has moved to ease community concerns over a controversial plan to store data about people's phone and internet use for up to two years. See, they always come in with a Fabian thing. It's only going to be two years. Once it's in place, you get a bit used to it and you go back to sleep. See, well, you know, it's indefinite. They've used it in every single country in the West, and Australia's getting it too. It says, Ms. Ms. Roxon insists there would be strict privacy measures. We've all had the same scenario. It's the same script, isn't it, that they give, give to our media as well. So strict privacy measures in place to make sure the information is used only by crime-fighting agencies when it's needed. <laughs> Under the plan, phone and internet companies will be required to keep logs of internet sites and phone calls made by their customers for several years instead of regularly deleting the data. The same story. Actually, you could just put that from Britain to there, which probably is what they did. And um, in Canada as well and everywhere else. And they probably don't mind so much. They get used to it. We adapt very quickly to these changes. And folk go on as usual. They don't mind being monitored 
because uh, I've got so much fun with the internet and the cell phones. And this, uh, another article I want to put up tonight too is called Allergy, Immunity, Hypersensitivity and Vaccines. It's a hidden link. It gives you a bit of history behind uh, the other big people who were into vaccinations. Clemens von Perquet was one of them. He was up there with Dr. Salk that gave you the, the cancerous polio vaccines. Uh, Pauling uh, or Kissinger says, if you've never heard of his 1910 book called Allergy, then you're like a motorcycle mechanic with a blindfold that's never been trained in engine repair. But anyway, it says, uh, this, this is the guy really who, uh, after he came out with, with what was happening with the early inoculations, uh, and he actually gave terms to the, the symptoms were caused, and he called it serum sickness was the first term they used after they, they injected stuff that's into you and bacterium that had been grown in horses and then took some of the serum from the blood and then injected that into you. And so we're coming down with serum sickness, hyperallergies and so on. Their immune system was being destroyed as it still is today, even they're using different animals and so on and even uh, fetuses too to, to, to grow all this bacteria on. But he was found dead with his wife after he published all his results. Uh, and, of course, uh, Salk and all these guys were really, really against him. But he was found dead with his wife. Even though that massive plans were going ahead, there was no depression, there was no reason for it. They were simply found suicided. I'll put this link up tonight for those who are interested in the past because it does affect the present, believe you me, when it comes to inoculations. And also... This article, too, is quite interesting. Uh, British Columbia oil and gas regulator says fracking has caused minor earthquakes. And it says um, a report by the British Columbia's energy regulator says a spate of small earthquakes could have been caused by controversial natural gas extraction technique. The BC Oil and Gas Commission investigated anomalous seismic activity detected in remote parts of the Horn River Basin, which is a gas-rich rock formation in the province's northeastern corner. Energy companies use a process called hydraulic fracking or fracking to break the rock and free the natural gas that's trapped inside. That involves injecting a mixture of water, sand and chemicals into the rock at high pressure and it's drawn criticism for its potential impact on groundwater sources. But the commission concludes that tremors took place shortly after fluid was injected close to pre-existing fault lines. Uh, only one of the 30 events occurred by Natural Resources Canada between April 2009 and December 2011 could be felt at the surface and there were no injuries or property damage reported. I love these articles because at the bottom now, you see, we're all into facts don't matter. It's just how you feel about something. And it says at the bottom, how do you feel about this article? <laughs> That's what they teach them in school now too. How, how do you feel about mathematics? How, how do you feel about that? You know? Yeah. That's a new system, eh? Now, this other article is awfully interesting because I've been talking for years that since 1998, everything changed above your heads in the skies. And I saw it uh, when they started the, their continuous spraying. They've been testing it out even back in the 60s and 70s, obviously. And they have admitted to that too, geoengineering. And Teller himself was the guy behind it. And in the beginning, he had great big ideas of using uh, metallic particles spread throughout the sky, 
to alter weather and weather control and also to inject uh, low-frequency pulsations in it, electrical pulsations, that would, would, that would further help them to do weather control and even be used for warfare purposes, by the way. Great thing to have if you can cause a drought in one country by disrupting the, the jet flow, the stream of uh, clouds towards you, because they can. They can I've, I've seen them actually do it above real thunder clouds. And nothing comes down. Uh, you look up an hour later and the sky is clear again except for all the trails above them. They can, they can literally cause drought or famine or, 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 or flooding, I should say. And there's been lots of articles written by the military about weather warfare. There's treaties of the United Nations going back into the 70s to do, to do with what it can actually be used for, including causing earthquakes uh, and um, along with the HARP technology, both of them used together. And how they could literally, it was more effective, they said, than an atom bomb. It's a covert stealth weapon, because it would be up to the other country to prove it was actually being used. And they have been using it. But one of the side effects of it all, too, with these particles in the air, and this is from a, a, a geoengineering uh, summit, verifies what we've all seen since 1998. Blue skies would fade to hazy white if geoengineers inject light-scattering aerosols into the upper atmosphere to offset global warming. Critics have already warned that this might happen, but now the effect has been quantified. Releasing sulfur aerosols high in the atmosphere should, in theory, reduce global temperatures by reflecting a small percentage of the incoming sunlight away from the Earth. However, the Earth's extra particles would also scatter more of the remaining sunlight into the atmosphere. This would reduce by 20% the amount of sunlight that takes a direct route to the ground, and it would increase, increase levels of softer, diffuse scattered light, says Ben Kravitz of the Carnegie Institution for Science in Stanford, California. That would have the knock-on effect for life and human technology. The reduction in direct sunlight would impact the solar industry, which relies on direct sunlight to generate much of its power. But the increase in direct sunlight would boost photosynthesis beneath tree canopies. The most visible effect, though, would be uh, as above, which above us, which is such as the whites, the whitish, milky white skies that they give you. If you don't see it right above, you look towards the horizon, you'll see it there. Because you're seeing a tangent, as light comes through from a tangent. The blue color of the clear sky comes from the light being scattered by molecules in the air. The scattering is much stronger for short blue wavelengths than for longer red wavelengths. Aerosol particles are much larger than molecules in the air, and they scatter red light more strongly, which washes out the blue light scattered by smaller molecules and makes the sky brighter and whiter. Kravitz calculated how scattering from particles ranging from 0.1 to 0.9 micrometers in diameter would affect the spectrum of the scattered lights and how that would affect the color of the sky. He found the sky would appear paler for all potential diameters. Particles with diameters in the middle of the range would make for much whiter skies. So we're already there, folks. It's been going on since 1998, and those who were awake at the time uh, and have followed it since uh, have seen it all. We've seen all of the tricks go on above our heads. I can remember one day they were changing from their summer spray to the winter, and it was November, uh, a, a big chunk, it was like cotton candy, in Britain you call it candy floss, white, uh, a, ma- a massive chunk, had to be about 30 feet long, you saw it coming down, and it ended up hanging in a tree, right in, in, near my house, and then it started to just gradually melt away over a, a few hours, so they have different sprays for different seasons, they have sprays to, to disperse clouds and sprays to cause clouds. 
and it's a perfect weapon, of course, for warfare purposes. And another article tonight, too, is Gaza's contaminated water. Uh, water is worsening the health for the Palestinians. No one really cares about them because they're too scared to say anything about Palestinians or show too much, you know, empathy for them. It says the aquifer that provides water to the Gaza Strip may become unusable within four years and irreversibly damaged by 2020 unless pumping stops and major infrastructure upgrades are made, the United Nations said. Now, you don't ever think the United Nations is, is a neutral bystander here. They're, they're all for what's happening there. Today, 90% of the water from the aquifer isn't safe for drinking without treatment. The report says about the seaside enclave between Egypt and Israel, where 1.6 million people live amid a a blockade restricting the movement of goods and people too. Availability of clean water is limited for most Gazians, and if desalination and wastewater treatment investments aren't stepped up, the UN expects Gaza's power, living and sanitation uh, conditions to worsen, it says here. So it's going to happen because no one's going to put a hand out to do anything for those people. That's the agenda. You see, I, if we, when you go into a country and take it over and put your own people in and displace the people who were there already, you either are going to have years and years of warfare with the people who've been dispossessed, or you kill them. And all these things have been discussed, by the way, as you well know, for those who've read all about it, and even read some of the prime minister's comments over the years. Or you get them deported to other countries. That's what you do with them. Or starve them or, or have them die of thirst. doesn't matter how you do it. That's the practicality of war, you see. And war is very practical. They don't have any moral issues here at all. At all about this. And the world really doesn't care about it at all. Because, again, uh, a very important people with lots of clout are, are uh, uh, wanting all this to happen. And we all know that, too. We all know it. So nothing will happen about it at all. It was interesting too, I think it was when Prime Minister Paul Martin was in, he went over to Israel and the CBC, the, the, the national broadcasting in Canada, uh, just mentioned on the news that he'd brought up some things about the Palestinians and the Prime Minister of, of Israel said, well, Canada should bring them all in and that would get rid of Israel's problem. All of them should be brought to Canada and, and he actually suggested that Canada pay for it. There's power for you. <laughs> so anyway, that's the ongoing saga there. Hungary throws out Monsanto and the International Monetary Fund. It says, um, I don't know about you, but I would label my personal knowledge of Hungary as wanting, if not painfully incompl- incomplete. It's not an easy country to come to grips with, not at least, of course, because Hungarians d- don't look like any Western language that we know, with the possible exception of Finnish. Actually, Finnish and so on comes from the old Phoenician, actually, language. And said to visit after the wall came down. Remember, huge contrast, almost paradoxes between rural poverty and a capital Budapest that was much richer than other capitals such as Prague, a leftover of Budapest status. And so the riches were not for all, though the city centre was full of beggars and panhandlers, mostly Roma, the gypsies. To keep up the paradox, Mercedes sold more luxury models in Hungary than just about anywhere else back then. And it says, in the years since, precious little attention has been uh, devoted to the former Eastern Bloc countries in the Anglo press. We know most of the countries are now members of the European Union, but only a few of them have been allowed to enter the hallowed grounds of the Eurozone currency. 
One thing I did pick up on last year's was the news that Hungary's PM Viktor Orban had thrown chemical food and seed giant Monsanto out of the country, going as far as to plough under 1,000 acres of land. That's of the GM crops. Now we have a little patience for Monsanto, infamous for many products ranging from Agent Orange to Roundup, nor for its ilk from DuPont to Syngentia. This is all former chemical companies that have at some point decided that they should sell more chemicals than ever before by applying them on and inside everyone's daily food. Patenting in nature itself seems either unworthy of mankind or its grandest achievement. I don't care much for either one. So Orban, who is a two-thirds majority in the parliament, by the way, has my tentative support on this one. And then it goes in through also through the International Business Times to do with this and how they kicked the IMF out as well. And it says the U.S. is to start trade wars with nations opposed to Monsanto. That's another article that was in a lot of papers. Most folk didn't see it. Uh, to do with GMO crops. The United States is threatening nations who oppose Monsanto's genetically modified crops with military-style trade wars, according to the information obtained and released by the organization WikiLeaks. Nations like France, which has moved to ban one of Monsanto's GM corn varieties, were requested to be penalized by the United States for opposing Monsanto and genetically modified foods. There's many forms of war, remember. The information reveals just how deep Monsanto's roots have penetrated key positions within the U.S. state's government, with their cables reporting that many U.S. diplomats work directly for Monsanto. And it says that perhaps the most shocking piece of information exposed by the cables is the fact that the, these U.S. diplomats are actually working directly for biotech corporations like Monsanto. The cables, and that dude that came out in the mainstream in America. Now this, uh, here's a break coming up, so we're back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're back cutting through the matrix now. Forever in history, going, going back in all uh, geographic locations and all peoples, there's always been taboos about interfering with children. If you can't defend your own children, you have no defense against anything. And people at one time used to really stand up for their children before the state took over all those roles and gave them an alternate uh, education and indoctrination and morality, you see. But now, of course, you're not allowed to, to deal with things, and everything's got a scientific reason, you know. And now there's a new, basically, uh, a new, uh, uh, what would you call it, diagnosis, a new diagnosis of paedophilia. It, it's caused by stress now, you see. Stress causes you to be a paedophile. And this is out from Australia, a, psychological, uh, a psychologist treating the former ABC presenter Andy Muirhead has told a court that he viewed child pornography because of work stress and not for sexual gratification. Dr. Janet Haynes has told the Trans- Tasmanian Supreme Court there's no indicators that Muirhead could be considered a paedophile. She said the 36-year-old fell into a small group of offenders, wealthy that is, you know, recognized by new studies, new studies, who viewed child pornography for other reasons, probably for the gymnastic positions or something. You know, who knows? Maybe it's art. The former host of the ABC's television show Collectors and its Hobart Breakfast radio program had pleaded guilty to three charges of accessing and possessing child exploitation material. 
Dr. Haynes had previously provided a psychological report to the court to be considered prior to sentencing. She was required to give evidence after Commonwealth Prosecutor Maitland Lincoln took issue with the report's finding that Muirhead had no sexual interest in children. So this is her defense. No, no, it's stress, you see. Dr. Haynes said Muirhead had developed a disassociation condition after working up to seven days a week in the two ABC jobs from getting filthy rich. He was exhausted. He didn't have any balance in his life, she told the court. That level of pressure increases people's levels of stress and it increases their arousal. It really? Generally, all that the books tell you, they lose arousal or even interest under stress. That's common. But they've changed it for this particular group, you see. Because this, this group are getting elevated amongst the special peoples around the world, you see. That's what's happening today. It's not equal rights they're all getting. It's special, special rights, you know, to be in your face. It says that level of arousal starts to feel normal. So there you go. The more stress you get, you turn into a pedophile. And you get aroused and you feel normal. How's that, eh? She said the arousal was not sexual but involved the sympathetic nervous system causing symptoms such as increased adrenaline and heart rates. Well, if you're not aroused, why would it be going up? A sense of detachment followed and heavy use of the internet for legitimate purposes then turned into browsing to find a welcome diversion. She said that uh, uh, Muirhead had initially viewed adult pornography for sex reasons but soon lost interest in it before, well, pedophiles do, they've no interest in adults, you see, accidentally coming across child-based material. You're drawn to it because it's so alien to your value system, she said. She said viewing of about 13,000 images over 16 months at times on a daily basis was irrelevant because Muirhead's disassociative condition meant he lost track of those kinds of numbers and lost track of time, you know, when he was getting titillated and, and his adrenaline was going up. 13,000 images. She said um, she would have been ethically obliged to treat Muirhead differently if she believed he was a pedophile. So, you understand, it's like all law, you can, you know, and psychology. I mean, you find more cooks in psychology than you'll find in the general population. All, all kinds, even new age psychologists, they've got shingles above their doors. They get you chanting into, you know, mental health or whatever else that they're after. So there's a new one for you. And also I've got one last one just before the music ends here to do with pedophilias. Uh, pedophiles give them the right to challenge being placed on the sex offenders register. Eventually you won't be able to talk about them at all. Maybe special people. Back with it more on Monday now. From Hamish Mosef from Chair Candace, good night, me or God or God's go with you. <laughs>